Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, Chad. Final hour is here. Hot Mike with Honey Withrow. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. What's the uh, chat saying today on YouTube? Well, I learned from someone, I don't think it was in the chat, but that uh, Guy Fieri's restaurant in Nashville closed. Apparently, after a very short time being open, I was right. It was Chicken Guy is the name of uh, Guy Fieri's chicken place. Um, You know, chat's on fire. We've got talk of uh, semi-pro, great movie, terrible movie, discussing that right now. I'd say great movie. Uh, And just a lot of responses to what we're talking about, Hud. People love love the old school pizza huts. Oh, yeah. Like us. Absolutely. Uh, Riley Gaines is a part of the Outkick Network. You can uh, check out her show, Gaines for Girls. Uh, available now and debuted yesterday across Outkick, uh, where she spoke with uh, Sharon Davies, British Olympic medal-winning swimmer, uh, about the East Germans and the fight for equal playing fields uh, for women in sports. This issue of, of male advantage plaguing women's sports, it only recently came to light, I feel like, for so many, including myself. I was really only became aware of this when I was slapped across the face with it in regards to Leah Thomas. But as you alluded to, this is something that you had experience of. You were well ahead of your time. I mean, 43 years ago, you saw this. Um, And so would you be able to touch on what that experience looked like um, competing against the East Germans? And we would have um, East German athletes turning up to things like even like the Olympics. And we'd never, ever seen them before. And they would literally arrive and smash world records. They looked and sounded like, you know, very masculine they had deep voices, very large Adam apple, bad skin, um, through no fault of their own. You know, I've never had a problem with these individuals. They were pawns of a horrible system. The people I have a big problem with is the IOC. And they allowed this to happen for 20 years. You know, they even had East German doctors sitting on international doping panels. So every time we came up with a way to try and catch them, they would find a way to, to you know, avoid being caught. Um, and this was allowed to go on for two decades. So imagine the number of females that missed out. However... Those females only missed out at international competitions and they predominantly missed out in swimming, track and field and rowing. What we've got now is 10 times worse because this is happening across every single sport, at every single level, in every single country. That's Gains for Girls. Riley Gaines, a part of the Outkick Network, debuting uh, Gains for Girls yesterday, every Wednesday, a new episode, outkick.com. And uh, you can check out more at our YouTube channel as well. And Chad, I'm, I'm sitting here listening and I'm thinking... I hope that some will see this across the uh, female sports landscape and want to be more vocal, and she's allowing the platform for that to happen. And she was an athlete at the highest level in college, winning national championships, which she has on the wall behind her. You know what I'm thinking when I'm watching that? That lady has a great accent. I could listen to her read the phone book. What do you think British? Uh, what do you think the British think of their accent versus? what they find attractive or easy listening? That's a great, great question. Australian it's probably, is very um, similar, so I don't think it's that. It's prob- probably a different European accent, like an Italian is accent. Is it Irish, you think? 
I don't know. A part of the I think the Irish accent would be treated by like Londoners France as a as a southern accent. Okay. It's almost seen as like a lesser than to them, right? It'd be seen as something charming. Right. Right? Like most people from the north, they find southern accents to be charming a lot of times, but that's the way Brits would look at the Irish accent. Yeah, think, well, there's, I mean, like there's the Liverpool accent where it's like, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, keep on talking like that. The Beatles, kind of yeah, that, yeah. you do a, a um, Beatles impression. Uh, get there's that. like the Cockney where it's like a, oh, hello, I'm going down on the other here. Well, that's a little bit more Australian, actually. I, I struggle with that one sometimes going back and forth. And then, of course, the Scottish, oh, I didn't know about that. We're just going to start naming countries and have Davey do the accent. We had a, an engineer one time that oh. got, uh, I mean, if this thing was being Shout filmed, out to Kirby. he would be canceled by now uh, for his portrayal. <laughs> Of certain well, nations we that we'd throw out. But, I mean, we'd, throw, we'd be like, you know, Ghana. He would act like he knew Belgian, and he would go into different... And all the, all the Eastern European accents sounded exactly the same. Now, I have seen many British actors claim the most difficult accent to master is generic American. So when Brits try to put on an American accent... That's actually much more difficult. I'm going to appreciate that closest, more. I didn't know that. They're the very good at it. The closest of accents is old Southern accent for the Brits. So like Ruth Someone Langmore? Someone was talking about doing, doing a British accent. In Ozark? Is that it? Is that what well, she was no, doing? Well, no, no, no. She's that's, British, right? That's more like, no, no, no. She's, she's from New York. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. She's a, she's a, who am I thinking of then of the show that we all well, watch? Well, there's a ton of uh, British actors who have played Americans. A uh, Tom Whamsgams in Succession okay. is a British guy playing an American. You'd never know he's British watching the show, but that's the most wow. difficult accent to nail. But the easiest crossover is American Southern accent and British for actors. They say there's actually a commonality, especially when it's Old South accent with British accents. Daniel Day-Lewis, would that be one? Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, he's such a method actor, he has to have that accent for months. On end when he goes into I, it. I don't know how he does that, man. I, I don't know where he draws the line. I don't know where actors who are method actors draw the line on, like, do they become pieces of the characters? They're in it for so long. Are they actually who they were? You know, do you carry on a piece? Do you become completely different in 20 years versus who you were at the time when you got into the, the, the idea that you need to be in that character 24-7? So the, the first time I remember being legitimately thrown off by someone's accent, having heard them before, Orlando Bloom, okay. who I think is Australian. Davey can confirm that or not. He's British or Australian. I want to say he's Australian. Okay. But he was in a movie called Elizabethtown. That's a Cameron Crowe movie. And Kirsten Dunst was in it. And he played just a generic middle of America American. And the accent was so bad. That all I could hear was his Australian accent. He was bad at it. And that's the first time I heard, like, man, this guy cannot get the American accent down. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And the, the in-character aspect, too, with all of it. Is he Australian? Or he's British? Oh, he's a British. It's very similar, though. Yeah. So I don't think they appreciate in, uh, in England the I'm not going to uh, be allowed in the Australia. Orlando Bloom fan club now. <laughs> oh, well. There goes one life goal. Well, he doesn't need you. He's got plenty. There are yeah. plenty in the Orlando... Bloom fan club, uh, especially those who have either fortunately or unfortunately seen the uh, TMZ or whatever it was, beach photos. Is he still with Katy Perry? He was with I mean, Katy Perry at one point. Who hasn't been? I think. Who hasn't been with Orlando Bloom or Katy Perry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like the headlines of Tom Brady's now with Kim Kardashian. I'm thinking. Yeah, okay. Who isn't? That tracks. Yeah. 
Uh, Chad, I there are certain times, or uh, we'll do a uh, you know a speaking engagement or whatever, and we'll be with a friend or whatever, and we will be like, hey, uh, what do you want us to work in here? What's the catchphrase? Is like a a tip of the cap to you, and we'll work it into the broadcast, right? Yeah. Um, somehow, Rand Paul worked in NIL to the conversation in the uh, hearing on Capitol Hill involving Live Golf and the PGA Tour. The court ruled unanimously that the NCAA can't invoke their rules. And so they've completely screwed up college athletes. We used to be proud. Many of us love watching amateur athletes that weren't paid. Now everybody that plays basketball in, in college is going to be driving a Bentley or a Rolls. I mean, we're going to be seeing rap stars instead of basketball stars. I mean, this is crazy. But you know why it happened? Because Congress sat around and said, oh, well, because of antitrust, we can't let the NCAA do it. It went to the court, and the court made the ruling, unfortunately, a unanimous ruling based on the law. So the law's got to change. Antitrust shouldn't be involved with association. That's how he worked it in. Antitrust law. I mean, it is convenient that he says, you know, we all loved watching guys not make any money or have any ability to make money. Man, that was so much fun. <laughs> the good old days where athletes couldn't make money on their own name, image, and likeness. I, I you know, I prefer to watch my sports athletes poor yeah. as opposed to rich. I prefer to watch the NCAA I don't, claim to be a nonprofit I don't know and make how, billions. I don't know how that's a valid argument from him other than just enjoying things the way they were. Like, great. I'm glad that we all enjoyed college sports when the athletes couldn't make money or get a job by NCAA rules or they were getting paid under the table and not over the table. But that's not, that's not a good argument. I like it the way it was so... now, and we liked our sports better when they couldn't make money. So now they're making money. It's ruined the sport. I'm not saying that it's perfect. Or that it won't eventually ruin the sport, but that's a pretty lazy argument. Well, but because I liked it, you know that that's what we like is seeing our athletes poor. Yeah, and those that's contributing what to campaigns saying. are also donating because in, in right in you know the plausible idea that the wealthy are donating to campaigns because they're wealthy based on being the few instead of the many that are involved in any league, and that's that's certainly the case or was the case with the NCAA, and they're still making a ton of money off the NCAA tournament. Meanwhile, the college football playoff is going to rake in cash. So there is still a massive difference, you know, this gap between the haves and the have-nots. But it is so far out of the box, it's tough to get everything back in because there was a delay, and on purpose, not to act on anything and just point to, you know, well, the, you're a student-athlete, you're not an employee, we, we can't let you do this. You're not allowed to do this. You're going to follow the guidelines of, uh, of the governing body. Not the case anymore. And the Supreme Court, in their ruling, in the Alston case, said, hey, if this were to come to us, it's the overriding opinion that you would also lose and lose big on, on this angle, too. And that's why, what, July 1st, 2021, it was wide open. And it, it's tough to change that now. Yeah, I think there's a lot of smart arguments to be made against NIL, transfer portal, everything going on. I think Nick Saban's made a number of them. He'll do it next week. I think, you know, allocation of funds, division amongst the team when you don't have rules set in place and a salary cap structure yes. of what one guy's getting and not another guy's getting. And now we're talking about pay for play and not just making money because of your star power or social media following, all of those things. But I mean, 
what do I care that Livy Dunn is a millionaire? Right. Because she has a great Instagram following. Or I, a, I don't or care. Or that an offensive lineman made 25 so grand. So this is where I, I hear politicians weigh into this, and I think there are plenty of smart arguments to be made. That's a pretty dumb argument to say that college athletics were better when guys were not making money, and that's the way I prefer it. Okay, great. Well, what about the athletes? Do they prefer it that way? But, or do they like it now that they can make a little money on the side or make money as a player? I, I'm willing to bet if you polled the majority of athletes, they'd rather be able to make oh, yeah. money off name, image, likeness. So I don't know how that is a valid argument in this discussion. I think there are other valid arguments against it, but Rand Paul's was not one of them. But what it has created, there's going to be a union. You know, and within that, there will be a hierarchy. You know, you'll have the quarterbacks versus the positions. And that's, that's why, what's going to eventually ruin the sport. And that's where that's what the Supreme Court's ruling allowed based on the inactive leadership of college athletics. I like that argument more than just like, oh, I, I enjoyed it more then. Well, it, players are getting paid, but it was under the table. So a lot of the times, the, the, the star player, you didn't really know what he was making. You saw the car he was driving. And you know that his father was just hired as an assistant coach somewhere that he wanted to be. But beyond that, you didn't know the details. Now, the details are in the EA Sports, in the college football 2024 game that they claim there's going to be released, every player's getting 500 bucks. Well, on the surface level, that seems fair versus getting nothing. But you still have cover athletes. You still have the star marquee talent where the name, image, and likeness of those players sell the game instead of the offensive lineman or the backup right tackle. And that's where you have the debate. And that's why I think we see the union sooner rather than later. It's not, the collectives are forming a, a... They're joining forces in many ways to continue what they're doing. And the NCAA has no answer for it other than just trying to keep the NCAA tournament together. Because that is their breadwinner, the billion-dollar tournament. Yeah, I just don't know how you continue to tie these things into scholastic pursuits. Yeah. Right? Once you talk, you we're talking about unionizing, and, and that's where the deeper subject of where you can do Senator it. Paul is going makes some sense, that once we become unionized, once we have a salary cap, it becomes almost impossible to try to argue that these athletes are representing a university, and they oh, they also have to go to school. But we're not paying them to go to school. We're giving them scholarship. Or now, are we not giving them scholarships? They have to pay their own way. And then if they have to pay their own way, are they really going to allocate their own money to go to college in a system where I don't know how much college matters as much as it did 20 years ago? And going to college, how much it matters in, in the modern economy. It doesn't for one and dones. So... I in don't college hoops. Th that's that's where it gets tricky. But where we're where we're headed, Chad, aside from the union, is the the split between the power group that decides to regulate things a certain way, and then you point back to the scholarship athlete in the group of everyone else in Division One, or you call whatever they're going to create Division One, and then you create something else. I don't know exactly who leads that. But it's not the leadership right now of no of the NCAA. And we had Tommy Tuberville on, a senator, who said, it's not us. It's not the government. It's like we can't come up with anything right now, so we're not going to be able to figure out NIL and NCAA football moving forward. So you're kind of left at a crossroads where we've said it, Hutton, but Greg Sankey, Tony Petiti, 
the leaders of the biggest conferences in college sports. Yes. They're going to be the ones that have to pick up the mantle and run with it and decide we're the ones now making the rules. Yeah, everyone's going to cling to and then react to everything that Greg Sankey says next week. Yep. In the State of the Union address for the Southeastern Conference. And then we'll have responses from the Big Ten. You'll have a discussion uh, across the sports landscape, and that will drive conversation. Whatever Saban says, too, by the way. Yep. You know, that's that's the other thing. It's it's not just commissioners. It can also be coaches. There's only a handful. I mean, kind of one hand who those are. But a couple of them will be right here in Music City speaking to the national media next week. And Sankey's at the top of the list. He, ha- he could grab all the power he wanted to right now if they would join forces with uh, Tony Patetti and the Big Ten. They were, certainly weren't doing that with Kevin Warren nope. by any means. Chad, uh, coming up, we have a big discussion on Daniel Snyder, Roger Goodell, and the ESPN report that, well, maybe they didn't work together, but both sides had reason to leak information about the emails, plural, with John Gruden. That plus a big feud between Sauce Gardner and Darrell Revis. That's next. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, it was inevitable. It was a layup. It was a decision that the Jets couldn't say no to. They're not allowed based on the rules of who can or cannot opt out of Hard Knocks on HBO. The New York Jets will be, in fact, on Hard Knocks. And they're today setting up cameras within the facility getting ready to begin filming later, what, two months? Is, is it two weeks? A week and a half? They, they start practice, I believe, July 20th or something like that. It's just around the corner. It's crazy that it's this close. Um, yeah, this was the only decision yeah, to be made. Easy. Of the teams that they could decide, the NFL, that, hey, we're doing it, this was the one. And now we get a show that it, it really is year to year with hard knocks, this will In be terms great. of interest, this is going to be one of those years that people are going to want to tune in. I remember the the Raiders, John Gruden, Antonio Brown season being one that was Rex highly Ryan. anticipated. Rex Ryan became one that was great, let's right? Go get, because let's go it, eat our snack because it produced a great. Let's go eat the you know eat a, eat a GD snack that he threw out there. <laughs> um, this one's going to be highly anticipated, whether it's good or not. Oh, it's because going- the teams have final cut. I think well, it's going to be interesting either way. It's going to be good because they're going to, even without Rodgers being all over the show, and he will be, uh, Zach Wilson behind the scenes, you know they're going to focus on him. Uh, the other part of this is Sauce Gardner. Yeah. And the Twitter feud that he's in, Asante Samuel uh, took exception to the fact that uh, Tariq Woolen didn't win Defensive Rookie of the Year because he led 
the the league tied for the league lead in uh, interceptions as a rookie out of uh, San uh, Texas San Antonio. It instead went to Sauce Gardner. I agree with that decision based on the lockdown aspects of the way he plays the quarterback position. It was very close. And Asante Samuel has now lured, just based on the back and forth with he and um, Sauce Gardner, he's also lured Darrell Rivas, Pro Football Hall of Famer, into the mix as well. I appreciate and love Sauce Gardner even more based on the way he's responded to this from these all-time great vets at the position. Um, Asante Samuel initially tweeted out, the New York media will take your career to another level. And he went to the ESPN poll of players and coaches and executives and how they're ranked. Um, not the voting aspect of rookie of the year, but just the ranking of cornerback. And he said, uh, he continues, he goes, for the record, Tariq had a better rookie season. They both played outstanding, but what in the hell do you guys be watching? Y'all are highly influenced by the media, not facts. And then he continues to say, and he tweets right at Gardner and says, you have the best media behind you. I challenge you to turn some of those pass breakups and interceptions this year. You will hear from me. I love that. Yeah. They're going love back and that forth. From, from Revis and Revis Island. Gardner responds and says, I don't need you challenging me to do nothing after all this subtweeting you've been doing when you could have just hit me privately like all the other OGs. You got to relax. Me personally, I've never been the hating type. And so they continue back and forth. And he basically says, Gardner says, hey, uh, relax. I'm great at what I do. Dion is a prime example of being great despite not having massive interception numbers. And then Revis gets involved, and you know he's got 51 or 52 career interceptions. Revis Island is why he's in the Hall of Fame. He's also been lured into this. And here's Sauce Gardner staying back, not taking the bait that much. I think the fury's on the other end that Tariq Woolen didn't get his, uh, his due share of the accolades compared to what we saw from Sauce because of the New York media. Gardner's going to be excellent on this show. I, I love this guy when he's sitting courtside at Knicks playoff games with Aaron Rodgers. I love the fact that he went at John ja Morant yeah. on Twitter and said, hey, buddy, we all have guns. We don't put them on Instagram live. <laughs> We're not flaunting them. Yeah, you don't have to have them out when you're going live on Instagram, uh, which was really funny. Oh, the best part. This is a guy. This is a guy that his career. I, I think the NFL is is better when you have defensive players that are this flashy. Oh, that's got the nickname. They've got the swag, and they've they got the game up. to back it up. But they have the back and forth with guys. You know, Richard Sherman had that for a while with the Seahawks. I I love guys like this for the league. Sauce Gardner buried Asante Samuel though in one last response. Quit being a hater when it comes to rising stars at the cornerback position. Be mad at the voters who never considered you, quote-unquote, shut down. I was never inspired to watch your film. <laughs> but something does jog my memory. I do remember we played the Falcons, and Rex Ryan made a highlight clip of you being double-moved on almost every single route. And I recall Rex saying to receivers in our weekly team meetings, if he lines up across from you, double-move him every time. Sauce Gardner said that? No, Revis to Samuel. Oh, Revis to yeah. Samuel. Okay. Uh, that, that was buried. I said Gardner. I apologize. Oh, I like the That's triangle what Revis, of trash talk going on. Revis 
you know, the former Jet jumps in and joins the fray. It's amazing. I hope that we have maybe Dion, maybe Primetime can get involved in this. We need every flashy corner in the history of the game that's living to now chime in on this. And let's just keep tacking on another player into the feud, one after the other. Yeah, we need Tariq Woolen to chime in as well. Yes. In on this. Um, Chad, the, we have further details of the email leak that ended up forcing uh, Mark Davis to fire John Gruden as the head coach of what became the Las Vegas Raiders. And ESPN's reporting multiple, multiple levels of the NFL, uh, including, of course, Daniel Snyder, but also all the way up to Goodell, would have reason and did have reason and used it to leak email information. Uh, in some cases, Snyder's leaking a certain email, uh, trying to spin things off of him and deflect all of the media attention. This was whenever he was not allowed to be a part of the, the, the team day-to-day operations. Um, it leads into a report that Goodell is on the phone with Davis saying, you need to do something about this because there's going to be more emails. There will be more. What are you going to do about it? And Davis is fired back saying like, in his response, like, to Gruden, man, screw the NFL. F what's, what's going on with uh, Daniel Snyder. And my hands are tied. I'm, I got to relieve you of what you're doing. I'm fascinated by this because Gruden has a lawsuit in place. And you've also got Davis, who's not afraid to speak like his father, not af- afraid to speak his mind if he believes he's in the right. And he was just simply stating, like, uh, the league shouldn't tell me what I can and can't do as an owner. Uh, Goodell works for me, not the other way around. And the next email that was leaked was Gruden bashing Goodell and uh, uh, Demora Smith among It's them. pretty damning for Goodell on the side of he was the one behind it, that he's saying there's going to be more out there and more leaked, and the next round are the ones yeah. – Calling him bad things, and it bad also, words. But the, the report is more about, not as much about Gruden as it is Snyder. Because Snyder, based on what was reported here by Wickersham and by Don Venata, if Snyder had just stayed silent during that time period, he was in the clear. That's the quote in the story. He was in the clear. He would remain the owner and there wouldn't be any controversy. Instead, it ends up backfiring and everyone points back to him as the guy who leaked it. And I don't think there's any doubt that he started it. But there was a continuation. And Davis said he pulled the locker room, he pulled uh, employees for the Raiders, and it was like 50-50 on who wanted him gone and who didn't. Well, and that's it's probably a reason to fire him at that point. It shouldn't be 50-50 that's right, what he, he of, said of it what was, to do. It was, but a, it was basically a, a half and half. It, this, this Reading this long story about this from ESPN. There's a lot of evidence pointing to Roger Goodell had a big hand in this when he caught wind of what Gruden was saying. And I think Gruden's got a case that they wanted him out. They wanted to tarnish his reputation. They were offended personally by what was said. I'm talking about Goodell now. Yeah. What was said about him in the email. And he wanted to flex his muscle and show his power and get him out of the league. I think Mark Davis also has a point that you, you shouldn't be the one that has to compel me 
to make a hiring or firing, right? If I'm the owner, I don't like that you're the one forcing me to fire him, and it feels like it's a very threatening posture of saying, this is bad, what are you going to do? you got to do something about it. What are you going to do about it? Oh, by the way, there's going to be more, and that more happens to be disparaging emails about me, Roger Goodell. Yeah, you have to do something. It Wait, looks that's bad. It looks bad for Goodell. I agree. That he was definitely well, behind this. But it, also, I, I'll, I'll say this. I don't know that it looks bad. It looks a little petty, but I, I can see where he'd be petty over it. It looks good for Gruden's case. Well, Goodell's, story. if you really dig it, like I'm trying to think like why he would be pre- he doesn't want further information to be leaked. And he knows that Snyder started this and that there would be more leaked. And he's pointing, uh, common sense to me says it links back up to Snyder in the phone call, even though it's not quoted that he says his name. He just told, tells Davis, you have to do something. And uh, Pash, the, one of the executives for the NFL says, there's going to be more e- emails that are, that are going to be leaked. So, but here's the, here's the interesting part. So the congressional hearing pointed back to Snyder as the one who leaked these. And in further investigating different sources, all anonymous, but it goes through uh, everyone from attorneys, league employees, agents, team officials. They, they cast a large net on who all was a part of the Gruden downfall, as well as the Snyder downfall. They used this to get Snyder out. And in the meantime, based on the emails, Gruden was also cast aside. Uh, one of the, the first bullet points, the top NFL executives, Chad, including Goodell, sources including one in ownership told ESPN and NFL executives that they told ESPN that NFL executives approved the release of some emails. So they saw these and didn't have a problem with the leak. They didn't necessarily feed it, but they didn't have a problem with it. They approved it based on one in ownership. Uh, Four owners told ESPN they believe Goodell was personally involved. That's, I mean, again, four of Goodell's bosses believe he was involved with Gruden's uh, ousting there. And NFL spokesperson Brian McCarthy repeated the league's denial in public and in legal responses that the NFL had anything to do with it. The other one is interesting. It's the By the more- way, I think there's more than four owners that believe it. Well, four said it. Yes. yes. Because it does not benefit the owners for Goodell to lose this lawsuit. No. So I think more believe that he's behind it, but aren't saying so. The NFL Players Association Executive Director, Demore Smith, uh, also named in this as, as being a part of it, um, saying that he was boasting that he was responsible for leaking the email uh, for leaking the racist email referring to him, an associate with direct knowledge told ESPN, the leaked email was published on the same day Smith faced a union vote to retain his job. Smith declined to comment through a union spokesperson uh, with uh, the NFLPA, but he's being replaced in 2024. But this came on a vote to retain him, and on the same day, the emails about Demore Smith that Gruden was mentioning, and this came at a time, by the way, when he was still with ESPN on Monday Night Football. When so. he was sending the emails. Yeah, he was not yeah. a coach at the time yeah. of the emails, right. That was a big day for DeMora Smith. The hearing to retain him and then leaking the emails as he was bragging about. Big time for him. And meanwhile, uh, I, mean, I, I love how the, they're pointing to this being the reason why Snyder's had a downfall. He was just paid, he will be paid $6 billion the in downfall. this downfall. Consider this. 
Like, let's let's be realistic here on downfall descriptions. Well, the winners of that whole deal with the Commanders, twofold. Washington fans that don't have to deal with Dan Snyder, and Dan Snyder, who makes all the money and now can just go do whatever he wants. And Harris, who I guess they're making up policies or allowing certain things to slip through the cracks in order to approve him as the new owner of the Commanders. The NFL also gets what they want. A league without Dan Snyder. I wonder if there will ever be a time where it would be acceptable in society for them to put back the name Redskins to the organization. Or because just, we have seen with the MLB story going back to Atlanta, like things are cyclical. Yeah, That's not the, the boiler po- uh, boilerplate topic today of team names, right, that it was when this happened. I just wonder if there would ever be a circumstance where – a year from now, 10 years from now, they decide, yeah, I think now's the time. It's okay. We can go back to the original they, logo, and now it's acceptable again, so we're going to do it. They can't even get a copyright on the commander's name right now. I know. You know the trademark application. Isn't like a roller derby team is one of the problems? Or that, that's the Guardians. <laughs> no, there's some there's guy. some of the Cleveland no, Guardians, some guy the roller who, derby who, uh, team. who trademarked all these potential names. And he's willing to hand it over, but there are other issues with it as well. Probably I think there should be derby. a cap on trademarks you can request yeah. for individuals. Like the name Boston. Like MLB you should have some of those horse trademarks. Stay tuned. Glad you've been with us today for Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow, the Wednesday edition. Discussing tomorrow's show. It's going to be fun. Uh, Armando will be on, plus uh, much more. A lot of discussion. It's going to be good. We uh, may have DeAndre Hopkins news at some point. The betting markets yeah. tell us possibly, but who knows? Well, they, we'll they discuss flipped. with Armando. They flipped in a significant way from like plus 500 to minus 300 for, for the, Titans. the Titans. There's got to be something there. And it's not Brad Bohannon at Alabama baseball. <laughs> you think it's Brad? Uh, what, uh, whatever, Brett or Neff? Burt? Burt Neff. Neff Jr. That's at uh, Insider Info. It's, it's the, he plays a it's the NFL bet. version of Burt Neff Jr. at some ballpark <laughs> window right now trying to place a bet. They're trying saying, to zoom in on an encrypted app. You don't understand. I really need to get this $100,000, this 100K bet in. Listen, cashier. Simply because I have inside information about DeAndre Hopkins. You must let me place this bet immediately. I'm <laughs> always eager to find out how they know before anyone else. You know, I would say a sizable bet mixed with some form of Vegas insider info. Yeah, but the, the Vegas. It, I'm, so here's why I'm intrigued by it. Normally, it can flip based on a report from Schefter or oh, Rappaport yeah. that there's no public report no, out there to go on, and they've flipped it in a significant way towards the Titans, which and tells they me know. they've got an insider in Hopkins camp that has changed it. <laughs> oh, craziness. Um. Chad, I appreciate Brad Pitt in this uh, F1 movie that uh, he's filming. He's channeling his inner Tom Cruise here by actually jumping in the uh, the car and racing. They actually filmed this during the British Grand Prix. Yeah, in Silverstone. Yeah, I mean, I love the aspect of this, where the guys are actually doing their own stunts and driving the, the, the cars that we perceive to be what they're doing in the film. Knowing that going in hypes me up even more to go see it. The same way Tom Cruise forced everyone in Top Gun Maverick to go through all of this training. Oh, yeah. To actually fly in these F-16s 
during the filming of this where they would send them up with a camera mounted in the cockpit and then come back down and see if it worked well because in the meantime, you passed out because of uh, the, the G-force that was on you. I mean, who looks better, Brad Pitt at 59 or Tom Cruise at almost 61 years old? Because the photo of Brad, Brad Pitt Pitt's 59? In, in the racing outfit, I looked at this and I'm thinking, this guy looks fantastic. And he is 59 years old. We may need to ask Brooke, our, our lone woman in the studio, uh, to weigh in on this, which one looks better. Uh, I'm going to go Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt? Pitt? Yeah, Brooke's saying Brad Pitt on that one. Brad Pitt is taller. That usually wins out for, for a lot of people. Um, he looks great. This movie seems awesome. The fact that they had – when I first saw the report, I thought, are they going to put him on the, the actual racetrack with the Formula One drivers? No, they put him on like an, an, an outer lane or an inner lane where it looks like the cars are around him, yeah. but he's on his own uh, track the entire time for the, for the race. So looks really cool. You see him here with the cameras around him marching. Uh, Damson Idris is the co-star in it with him that's walking also. Looks great. The name of the movie is Apex. I feel like everything Apple does is one word. Uh, Apex, I'm watching a show, Platonic, with Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne right now. Um, Hijack is the big show with uh, uh, Idris Alba that's on there now. It's all one-word shows. It looks great. And just kudos to Brad Pitt for just looking fantastic at 59 years old. Chad, you were comparing Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. So uh, Cruise was married three times, uh, once to uh, Kidman and also uh, Nicole Kidman and then Katie Holmes, I know of. And then uh, Brad Pitt was married to Jennifer Aniston. And, and Angelina Jolie. Yeah, so they've, they've got the... Uh, Got the well, names. he was he was Jennifer Aniston first, and then there were rumors of him getting with Angelina Jolie on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith when oh, they co-starred yeah. in the action yeah. deal. And then shortly after that movie, he split with Jennifer Aniston and was with Angelina Jolie. Uh, not bad for either. So Brad Pitt and uh, Tom Tom Cruise appeared in one movie together, I believe. Do you know that movie? No. Interview with the Vampire. You knew I wouldn't see that. Yeah, that was uh, no, early that. 90s. I was just double-checking to make sure there was another one. 1994, Interview with the Vampire, the only movie they've appeared in together. <laughs> but when I was hearing uh, Tom Cruise was talking about he wants to honor Harrison Ford by doing Mission Impossible movies until he's 80. Because Harrison Ford is 81, about to be 81, and just wrapped up the last Indiana Jones movie he's going to do. And I immediately thought, you know, why stop there? I mean, you're Tom Cruise, Scientologist. Your body is a temple that will never be penetrated. Uh, Phaetons are go running to, through your Go blood. to 90. I mean, can't we do these movies until you're 90 if you're Tom Cruise? Is that him saying that the next Top Gun is when he's 81? Well, no. I think he's saying he wants to do to, uh, movies, Mission Impossible movies, until he's 80. He's 61. He's got to go out with Top Gun. This is the seventh installment. It's too good. Oh, that would be great if he did an 80-year-old Top Gun version. Um, have Harrison Ford and Tom Cruise ever appeared on screen together? I don't think so. Because when I saw him say they said he's one of my heroes, that he's done this, I thought, have they ever been in a movie together? It's crazy when you go down the list of like A-list movie stars. What we would deem a movie star in 1992 yeah. versus today. And how those guys don't do movies together. Or like the, the Remember when Ocean's Eleven happened and it was a big there. deal? Yes. Because it was a number of A-list guys in the same movie together. And you don't see that that often. Now I feel like everything's a collaboration, unless you are Tom Cruise 
or even Brad Pitt to what, some extent. Unless like you're the cast Leo. Of the, Leonardo DiCaprio has done movie. He did a movie with Brad Pitt recently. The cast of De- The Departed comes to mind there too. Departed's another good example, but we have so few movie stars. Leo's one. Brad Pitt's one. Tom Cruise is one. Harrison Ford is too old to be a movie star. Yeah. He's on a he's on he's a show. Not top of mind for me. Yeah, Shrinking, another one word Apple show. Harrison Ford's on a TV show right now on Apple TV. So he's no longer a big movie star. He's a big movie star, but not an A-list movie star like those guys. Chad, uh, Jamie Foxx certainly would apply uh, with the, the stardom and the star power. There's, he had a good run from 05 to 2010 yeah, there's, with big-time movies. Yeah, there's a, a video of him uh, on a boat. TMZ has the, uh, the video footage, first sighting since all the, the health issues that were taking place. Do we know officially what the issues were now? I, I haven't seen that. But we've seen him before we know what the, the problem was. Um, He's uh, hitting golf balls into the water, apparently, on the boat in the video we're watching. If you're, is he at Top Golf? Oh. This is him at Top Golf, not on a boat. I thought oh, he was on a boat. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, yeah, if not, there's video of him. TMZ is where you can find it. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't think anybody does. I don't think it's, uh, it's been reported well, exactly what went down. What, what about, uh, like, wouldn't you just say something? It's it's weird that he Instead hasn't of being just chased said to it. get the first video. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know what goes into PR decisions at times with celebrities of this ilk. Because I'm with you, Hutton. If it's if it's something that's like you know could happen to anyone. I mean, if it's a heart attack or a stroke or a yeah. aneurysm or so, like just say it if you've recovered from it. I, I just when you don't say it. It automatically leads everyone to speculate on something bad being the case, right? I think that immediately. So I, I, I hate that I jumped to that conclusion. I don't want to jump to that conclusion either. But, yeah, but if I'm it also wasn't, saying, like, why wouldn't you just say allowing it? that to? Yeah, why wouldn't you just say to jump to that conclusion? Um, and, and look, by, by all means, it is his right with his own private health to say it or not. Okay, I mean, I, we acknowledge that he doesn't have to tell us what happened. I just think when you don't say it and there's so much interest in it, it leads to speculation. Britney Spears would apply to there. Did you see the uh, Instagram story video she put out, like trying to clarify and uh, going against whatever uh, recent headlines out there about the Wimben Yaman who slapped who? And, uh, you know, it, it was a false report. And if so, why? If she was slapped, why? So she's got this Instagram video and just tying in. Jamie Foxx here because there was a chase. I don't see much paparazzi anymore, like those t- type of stories. I also don't see Britney Spears very front uh, in front of the camera other than whatever she's doing in Vegas. Uh, there are some out there that believe this is AI, a generated AI video of Britney Spears, even though it was on her account. That is not really her based on the way she sounds and I guess the way she looks. But I, I mean, it sounds like Britney Spears to me uh, our, our buddies at the, the next round were discussing this, Chad, uh, where Lance Taylor LT is, is trying to decide whether or not it's real or not, including, it, it, you know, I, he thinks it is. I agree with him. But in this day and age, who knows? Because we've seen the deep fakes on uh, oh, it, YouTube. It happens all the time. Isn't this just the ultimate alibi for a criminal ever now that it was a deep fake AI situation? Yeah. 
if you if you post anything or you filmed anything or you've done anything, and it gets out there, well, and that's, says, oh, that's just AI. Well, the, well now right now it's hacked. I've been hacked. Kadarius yeah. Tony is saying he was hacked. I but automatically what you just said I'm just messing around with AI. Yeah, and the, I asked AI to come up with uh, something I would say to a fan. Could John Gruden be reinstated in the NFL by saying that was AI <laughs> that typed those racist emails about people? That wasn't me. That was a deep fake John Gruden. That was racist John Gruden. I deserve my job back. Uh, could Daniel Snyder say that the workplace environment was all artificial intelligence? That was a robot. That was a yeah. robot that was groping I was in women. France, off the coast of France while this right. was going on. That was, uh, that was my deep fake robot from Eastern Europe that tried to make out with that woman in the, in the limo. I promise. Is this uh, relationship with Larsa Pippen and Michael Jordan's son artificial intelligence? Jordan's saying he doesn't approve of the uh, relationship. By the way, he, he saying, told that to paparazzi, another paparazzi yeah. story. Oh, but he's another one that is not out in public. So He was in Paris. If you're going to find him, you have to do exactly the way they're chasing but the him around. the Parisian paparazzi, how do they find out Michael Jordan, American sports superstars at a restaurant, and then track him down? Oh, I don't think it's that hard. At this restaurant. Whenever he was here for the NASCAR race in Nashville last year, there's a DJ that's buddies with him, and they were down here on... Uh, they were Second in the Gulch, Avenue. I feel like, at one point, too. Down at a here on 2nd Avenue at Layer Cake is where they were. And we mm. knew that while he was there. The word was getting around fast. So I, I don't think it's that hard to figure out where guys are. It's getting to them. I'm and just seeing I'm, them I'm without them slipping out the back I mean, entrance. I, I guess I get it. It's Michael Jordan. But, like, in France, you would have that much paparazzi around Michael Jordan. I, I mean, I, I'm sure there are uh, French... The, the French wear uh, the, the Jordan brand as well. So Jordan says that he doesn't approve, and now Larsa Pippen is traumatized by this opinion. Yeah, makes for a great podcast. Is this surprising episode, to you? I mean, this has a Kardashian feel to it. It's very scripted, not on Jordan's part, but on Larsa Pippen's part. They're playing into this, traumatized. You know, uh, that you would know that before this got out through MJ saying it. Is this the Pippen through the guy you're it? with? Is this Scottie Pippen Jr.'s mom, or is there a different woman? Before I, her, I'd, that's a great question. I'm. That's never been discussed. Never I don't know. That. I'm like this guy was. He was playing for the Lakers in the summer league last year, and we never talk about what the what the son thinks about this. It is Larsa. Larsa's yeah. his mother. Yes. Yep. I mean, think about that. That's your mom. Yeah, but like the, your the fact, mom is with but Michael about, Jordan's son. You're just playing into the headline that Larsa Pippen is traumatized. I'm thinking and does a podcast you, about their sex life. But you would know through the guy you're with, who's the son of Michael Jordan, that Jordan doesn't approve of it. You would know that through casual conversation, eating sushi out at a nice restaurant. It doesn't have to come through paparazzi in France to figure this out. This is a very scripted... Uh, I'm traumatized by the script here. That's uh, so it's, obvious. It's very, very produced. Yes. I, I, would, I would agree. The whole thing is very produced. Yeah. Production quality, not as good as upcoming Apple film with Brad Pitt, Apex, about his F1 driving. So you know how Parcells and Belichick had the face-to-face -face for the, was it 30 for 30, where yep. they sat down? Imagine Jordan and Pippen now having the face-to-face, -face and I this would. relationship comes up. That's what I'll watch. I'd pay good money to watch that. Yeah. I don't care, you know, how great Jordan's son is in bed with Larsa, who claims that, you know... He has sex four times a day. See, I'd like to see a Jerry Springer type production where we like bring out. That tells out, me it's not one dude. We bring out the son and bring out Larsa at different points during the interview with a surprise <laughs> guest. 
And up next, it's BJ Armstrong to weigh in on this feud. Come on out, BJ. <laughs> Where's John Paxson at when you need him? Get Johnny out of here, John. A name that fits the show. Luke Longley joins us. <laughs> Bill Winnington has also been with Larsa Pippen, and he's got something he wants to say. Join us tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern, for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. That's across a lie. the That's Outkick not true. Network.